on October 30th, 1974, Muhammad Ali is taking on the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world, George Foreman, in what is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The fight was known as the Rumble in the Jungle. Ali was a four-to-one underdog against the champ, but he had a trick up his sleeve. You see, during that fight, he used a special technique known as rope-a-dope. What he did is he used the rope to kind of uh, use as, as a way of, of absorbing the punches thrown by Foreman. Foreman's punches had little to no effect on Ali because of the ropes. And uh, he eventually became fatigued. And in the eighth round, the impossible happened. Ali knocked Foreman to the ground and claimed the title of heavyweight champion of the world. Friends, the rope-a-dope technique wasn't invented by Muhammad Ali. It was actually invented 2,000 years prior by Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was up against the cross. He allowed himself to be up against the ropes of the cross. And Satan pounded away, jab after jab after jab, until Jesus died. Satan immediately began his celebration. And for three days, three long days, Jesus' body was underground, locked in a tomb. For three long days, Jesus' disciples were under a dark cloud of despair. For three long days, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was under the crippling burden of loss. For three long days, the followers who had put their trust in Jesus were under the heavy weight of hopelessness. But man, I got good news. I got good news. Here's your big idea. Under doesn't mean over. Come on, say that with me. Under doesn't mean over. Because Satan's party, man, it was, it was cut short. It began on Friday, but on Sunday morning, it was instantaneously cut short because Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. He rose from the tomb. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger in a, in a Terminator movie said, I'm back. And he pulled off the biggest rope-a-dope in history. Friends, the knockout blow wasn't delivered by Satan. It was delivered to Satan on, on the cross when Jesus declared in John 19.30. He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The work of the cross was complete. He was victorious. And three days later, he rose from the dead to validate as a stamp of authentication. He said, I did what I said I was going to do, and I am who I said I was. Come on, give God some praise in here. Can we give God some praise? Friends, you might be under something. You might be under a, lo a load today. I got good news. Under doesn't mean over. Today we're going to see how the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is resurrecting us. Let's get into God's word today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, but, whatever anyone, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Lord God in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the celebration that you've given us a reason to celebrate. You've given us hope, and that hope comes through you and you alone. Thank you, Jesus, 
for who you are and what you did. Thank you for your transformation, for, for your transforming work that happened on the cross and was validated through your, uh, when you rose from the dead. God, we just want to praise you. We just want to stop and thank you for that. We just thank you that you are doing tomb work in us, God. You are using our tombs to change, to transform us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. First point I want to point out today is that the tomb removes our mask. If you're writing notes, write that down. Tombs, the tomb removes our mask. Look again in verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that is, when you accept Jesus Christ, because of the power of the death, burial, and resurrection, the veil, or mask, is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Friends, what do masks do? They, yeah, they cover us up. They cover us up. They, they conceal our true identity. Friends, we live in a world full of masks. Check this out. Here's a funny thing about people. We all like to look good, to make a good impression, to show everyone else we have it all together. Even though none of us do, the only way to pull this off is to put something else on. And that something is called a mask. A mask can help you get a job. I have over 12 years of consumer electronics experience. Playing video games in my parents' basement. It can make you look smarter. Organizational energies to maximize corporation synergy. I have no idea what I'm saying. And more dateable. I can't believe you're single. And I can't believe it's, you're 25. I'm not single. I'm not 25. Things are great. But behind every perfect mask is a perfectly messed up life. People with hearts that are empty, confused, addicted, hopeless, helpless, and hurting. People who think But here's the thing This is exactly the kind of life where God shows up Messes are his specialty The one thing God can't work with Is a mask So around here we have a saying It's okay To not be okay Nobody's perfect But grace is available we believe God doesn't love us if or because. He loves us anyway. We all like to look good to others. We like to make a good impression. But when it comes to God, the best impression you can make is to just be you. Amen, amen. Jesus died so that we could be the people that he has called us to be. Thanks to the death, burial, and the resurrection, we have the power to do that. He removes the masks. And one of the biggest masks that we like to hide behind is the mask of our past. The mask of our past. Maybe something we did or something we said or maybe some sort of mistake or, or, or failure. We think that that can define us and we allow that to define us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. Friends, the old is gone. Your past is in the past. You say, well, where did it go? Right over here. The cross. Everything, every mistake we made, you and I have ever made or will make, was nailed to the cross and it died on Good Friday. We are forgiven by the grace of our God. 
Friends, you know how God looks at you? He looks at you the way I look at my kids. I got four teenagers. Well, three teenagers and one is almost a teenager. And, and you can believe that they've made some mistakes. But I don't look at them and see their mistakes. I look at them and I see promise. I see greatness. I see destinies waiting to be fulfilled. Here's my daughter right here, Riley. I look at her and I'm proud. God looks at you in the same way. Wherever you're at today, wherever you're watching, you need, you need to receive this truth. God loves you. You are loved. He died for you and he adores you. He's been pursuing you your whole life. Friends, let's not allow our, our past to sabotage our future. See, some people, what, what happens is we get stuck between Good Friday and Easter, right? Sunday. We get stuck. We, we accept the forgiveness of the cross, at least to some degree. For some of us, we accept the, the, the forgiveness from Jesus, but we don't accept forgiveness from ourselves. Jesus died for us to be forgiven. So when he forgave us, we need to forgive ourselves. But, but others people, others of us, maybe we accept the forgiveness and maybe we forgive ourselves, but we don't really live in the, the resurrection power that he died for. We, we think that, well, because I did something so stupid in the eighth grade that God could never forgive me. I did something so vile. I messed up so bad that he could never use me. Man, you need to read this book and you need to see the kind of people that God uses to do great things. Friends, Romans 8, 11. We have that resurrection power. Another mask that we need to take off and that God died and rose again from the dead so that we could take off is the mask of perfection. The mask of perfection. Friends, we, we, we act like our job in life is to be perfect, to give our kids just this perfect life that we never had. They gotta go to the right college and marry the right person. They gotta look a certain way. Our house has to look a certain way. It has to have so many bedrooms. It has to have stainless steel appliances. Right? And as Christians, we have to be perfect the way we go through this whole mess called the COVID-19. We have to have it all together because people are watching. And we have to act like we just got it all figured out. Listen, we are not perfect and we don't live in a perfect world. Sometimes our plans, they backfire. That's my son, Gavin, right there. You'll see it again in slow motion. Watch this. It's going to hurt even more in slow motion. Ouch. Sometimes, guys, sometimes our plans backfire. That, that resembles our life. But here's the good news. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Friends, God has given us grace. We strive to be Christ-like, and we obey. We're serious about living this Christian life, but, but sometimes we're imperfect. Sometimes we mess up, and, and God died and was raised again to give us that grace. Rick Warren was one of the most uh, successful megachurch pastors. Uh, he leads the Saddleback Church. Well, Rick and Kay, back in two thir uh, 2013, lost their son Matthew to suicide. It was in that season that they received 500 condolence letters, some from presidents, some from prime ministers, some from rock stars. But you know what Rick said? He said the ones that meant the most were the ones that, that came from the people that Matthew had previously led to Christ. And it was in that season that he wrote this in his journal. He said, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees 
can bear fruit. Friends, as imperfect as we are, because of the power of the resurrected Christ, we have grace in our life and God can use broken people like us to do powerful things for his kingdom. Amen? And the last mask that we typically wear that can be very problematic is the mask of protection. And it's not even a mask. It's more of a helmet. And this is a tricky one. The mask of protection is very tricky because it seems like we're doing the right thing. You know, after all, we want to protect ourselves and protect our families. But really what the mask of protection is, it's a mask of fear, posing as protection. See, we want to keep people away because people have hurt us. And so we avoid people, but we miss out on the treasure of community. We push away the church to protect ourselves because the church, someone from the church hurt us and we don't want to experience that pain again. And so we just don't go to church. Maybe you're watching today and you you don't go to church and and you're just checking this broadcast out. Hey, man, I want to tell you, I, I get that. I've been hurt by the church, but you know what I also have done? I've also hurt people because I am imperfect. I've messed up. And we're serious at the gathering about loving people. But but here's the thing. We don't always get it right. I don't always get it right. And, And here's what I want to say. Don't let what's wrong with humanity keep you from what's right with God. God is a good God. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes the bride of Christ, the church messes it up. But here's the thing. God died for the bride of Christ. As imperfect as we are, he died for us. And I don't want you to miss out on the blessing that only comes through community in church. Maybe we've been hurt by God because God didn't answer a prayer the way we thought he should or in the timing he, he, we thought he should. Or maybe he took a loved one home. Remember, on the cross, what happened? When Jesus died in Matthew 27, 51, the veil in the temple was torn. That, signif- that signifies this closeness, this proximity. No longer do we have to experience the presence of God through a, through a priest or, or do we have to go to a temple. We can experience the presence of God right here, right now, wherever you're watching this from, you can experience the presence of God. And why is that important? Verse 17 tells us why. Where the spirit of the Lord is, that is his presence, there is freedom. We're free. We're free to be us. We're free to experience the joy and love and peace of God. And, and I love it when I see people worship. Monica, I love when you worship because there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a freedom in your worship. It's not anything you do. It's just the freedom with which you do it. You're uninhibited, right? And, and we got some great worshipers who do the same thing. We're, we want to be free to be us. And that comes when we're in the presence of the Most High God. God's presence brings freedom. It also brings rest, Exodus 33, 14. Did you see that alcohol sales are up 55% since the beginning of COVID-19. Why? Because people are looking for rest. And they don't know that the true rest is found in Jesus Christ. And so they try to find secondary sources of rest, and it never really measures up. It only numbs the pain. In God's presence, there's freedom. In God's presence, there's rest. In God's presence, there is joy. Psalm 1611. Friends, We got joy. Our joy is not dictated by some virus. And I get it, man. The virus is serious and and I empathize and I hurt for the people who are going through this. So I'm not minimizing that. What I am saying, I'm maximizing the joy that can't be taken away, that can't be eradicated, that can't somehow be manipulated by some external source or some external virus. 
We have the joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Come on. Down in my heart. What? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Come on. Now that, you're so happy. But here's the thing. The world looks at that and they're like, what's wrong with them? They think we're crazy. But here's the thing. A bird that's lived in a cage his whole life thinks a bird that flies is sick. See, they don't know, the world doesn't know what to do with that kind of joy, a kind of joy that can't be taken away, a kind of a joy that is everlasting, even through trials. Friends, if you're honest today, maybe you feel like you've lost the presence of God. I think there's some that would say, you know what, through this whole thing, through this whole trial, through this whole virus and the season I'm in, I feel like maybe, maybe I've lost God's presence. What do I do? You do exactly what you do when you lose your keys. You go to the last place you saw them last. You see, in the same way, we go to the place we experienced God's presence last. And for most of us, if we're honest, the place where we really experienced the, the overwhelm, I'm, not, I'm talking the, really the presence of God, man, that'll make, make, have chills on your arms and, and, and bring you to tears. The last place for most of us was in a tomb, in a real tough place, a real challenging place. You know what I'm talking about, Larissa. You're going through one right now, right? We go back to that tomb because it's in that tomb that God does what can't otherwise be done outside the tomb. You see, the tomb of God is like the womb of God. Come on, someone say amen. The tomb of God is like the womb of God. What do I mean? It's a place of deep connectivity. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to tell mothers this. They know that. When when my son was born, my first son, Gavin, I, I had to be introduced to Gavin. But Cindy already knew Gavin. She was connected to him for nine months. No introduction needed. And from that umbilical cord, there was that connectivity where there was, there was uh, sustenance and nourishment and life that was transmitted in the same way God's doing that in the womb that we're in right now. He's doing that. And, and here's the proof. Just look at the Facebook posts, right? Look at the posts and the face. Y'all are blowing up my Facebook messenger <laughs> with some, some videos. And they're, and they're good videos. They're really good. I mean, they're like glorifying God. Videos and, and quotes and emojis that are just glorifying Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's an overflow of our heart. It's an overflow of the connectivity that we're having in the womb of God. The tomb of God is the womb of God. And here's the thing. When a baby emerges, what is noticeably absent on his or her face? Masks, right? The tomb of God, the womb of God, it removes our masks. Friends, if you're on a tomb, if you're in the middle of a tomb right now, if you feel like you're, you're in that place, you're under that load, be encouraged that under doesn't mean over. Second point I want to point out today is the tomb transforms us. Look, at, look again at verse 18, the tomb transforms us. And we all who with unveiled faces, in other words, the masks now removed, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed, present tense, being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. We are in the process, present tense, of being transformed. That word transformed, formed comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. 
And it means a change on the outside that comes from the inside. Friends, the greatest works of God, they're always an inside job. But here's what I want to point out. Transformation, be patient because it occurs in stages. Transformation always occurs in stages. I liken it to uh, the metamorphosis of a butterfly. There's four stages of a butterfly. First stage is the egg, right? We come to Christ, we accept Jesus, and we're like this, this uh, egg, right? So much uh, potential, so much passion, so much excitement. We came to Christ, and we're like this little egg. And then we move to stage two, which is the larva, also known as a caterpillar. Now, things with God are a little slower than we thought, right? Some, you ever feel like, you know, when, you, when you're kind of moving at the sp speed of a caterpillar, like inching along? Yeah? And, and, and you know, like, yeah, speed it up, God. Come on, get, get. But here's the cool thing about a caterpillar. You know they can eat twice their own weight in leaves every day? So there are some benefits about slow moving. But that's what God's doing. He's nourishing us along the path. It takes a little longer. He's giving us that spiritual food. But we're moving forward. We're not moving backward. Egg, larva, and the third stage is the pupa. This is the tough one. The pupa is entombed in this silk cocoon. Can you, can you relate? Can you, can you relate? We're in this cocoon. And, and the cocoon can last anywhere from two weeks to all winter long. Some of us today, if we're honest, we feel like we're in a cocoon. Maybe you're watching today and you feel like, man, that's me. I, I feel like I'm entombed in a cocoon and it's lasted a long time. You feel like you're on house arrest. Here's the thing. God is immobilizing us to mobilize us, right? He's slowing us down so that he can do a work inside that tomb that can't be done externally. That's an inside job. And here's some proof that God's, what God's doing in this tomb, in our cocoon, is actually working. I had someone tell me from our team this week that, she said her and her husband, for the first time in their 18-year marriage, are spending time together intentionally. They sit out back every night for a couple hours. They have a beverage, and they just talk about their family. They talk about their faith. And they're growing closer together. My own son, Levi, this, this blew me away. My wife about fell out when she heard this. She, uh, or Levi says to, to Stella, hey, Stella, let's go take a walk. Hmm? Here's two you know, teenagers going for a walk, which... Might not sound like a big deal, but it's a big deal. The, uh, in our neighborhood, I'm meeting new people. I've been living in our neighborhood seven years. I'm meeting new people I didn't even know live there. Last night we were on a walk and we saw someone had set up their Christmas tree. Beautiful Christmas tree, right? Things like that. Thursday night, check this out. We had, not Uber Eats deliver food. We had some spiritual food delivered to my driveway. There's a picture you can see where several people showed up and just said, we want to pray over you. They showed up and they just wanted to come and, and felt the need to pray over. And you say, oh, they're just doing that because you're their, you're their pastor. Uh-uh, they're doing this for the people of their church, not just me, everyone in the church, they're doing this. See, see, here's the thing. The goal is not to get through the virus, right? God's goal is not for us to simply get through the virus, but to make us better on the other side. He was doing a work. He, he wants to make us Stage four, a butterfly, a beautiful, complete butterfly that can soar and can fulfill its purpose. Friends, your purpose, my purpose, was never to be a caterpillar, a larva. For the love of God, who wants to be a larva? <laughs> right? You're, you weren't destined, you weren't designed to be a larva. 
We're designed to be butterflies. We're designed to fly and to soar and to fulfill our purpose. And friends, that purpose is produced through tombs. We all have a tomb, and God's using our tomb to transform us. Maybe it's a relationship that's struggling. Maybe that's your tomb. Maybe your tomb is a family member that um, and just causes you a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. Maybe it's a, a kid that, that went wayward who, or maybe who's struggling. Maybe it's an addiction or, or depression or anxiety or maybe it's this virus. Maybe it's fear. But here's what I want to say. Listen to me. God uses our previous tombs, the victories in those previous tombs, to produce victory in our present tomb. And he wants to use the victory in this present tomb that he's working on to produce victory in our future tomb. I got proof. Ten years ago, I struggled with something that I don't struggle with today because I went through a tomb. See, ten years ago, I struggled with fear. And let me, let me tell you how this happened. I, I went in for an MRI, right? And, and, and they slid me in this tomb, literally a tomb. They slid me in there, and I got in there, and, and I couldn't move left or right because my shoulders were hitting the sides of the tomb. And I, I made the mistake of opening my eyes. I opened my eyes and I couldn't really like move my head this way. And, you know, my palms started sweating. My, my heart started racing. And then they give you this panic button. Why they call it a panic button, I don't know. Just the name alone puts the panic in your mind. They should be called a, a relief button or something, right? But I had the panic button and, and I got a little nervous and I got a little fearful. And all of a sudden I just pushed the button. Slide me out. And the nurses are like, mm. felt like such a failure. They're like, oh, don't worry. It happens all the time. We'll bring you back in a couple weeks. Well, they brought me back in a couple weeks. <sighs> Two weeks later, I went in there, and they gave me uh, some sort of drug that's supposed to calm me down. It didn't calm me down. And in fact, I said, listen, we got about 15 minutes before I got to go back into the, the tomb of death. And I, I, I need some help here. You know, can, I, can I have another whatever, whatever you gave me? They said, oh, we can't do that. You know, I said, well, you need to go talk to a doctor. Because I need, so they went and talked to the doctor. They, got, they gave me one more. It had no effect. I don't know what they were giving me, but it wasn't working. They slid me in once again with the panic button in my hand. They slid me in to the tomb. And all of a sudden, I, I could just feel it coming back, you know, that fear, you know, stirring up. I, I, my palms started sweating. Started, and all of a sudden, I started quoting scripture. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the Isaiah 26.3. Right? Romans 8, 11, the, the power is in me. So I start quoting scripture, and then the, then the thing starts, right? The, you know, it sounds like a, a machine gun going off. And so I was having trouble quoting scripture. So then I started praising. You are good all the time. All the time. You are, and I know they're laughing. They can hear everything that's going on inside that room. I know they're laughing their tails off at me, but I don't care. I'm getting my victory. So I'm just praising away, praising away, praising away. 45 minutes later, they, not me, they slid me out of the tomb of death. I walked by them with a little strut in my step, pray, <laughs> praising God. And here's the thing. Today, I don't struggle with that fear because of what God did in a prior tomb. Here's what I want to tell you. Trust the tone of your tomb. Trust the tone of your tomb. Everyone's tomb looks a little different, right? And this is why we got to give each other grace because what you're going through may not be what I'm going through. What I'm going through may not be what you're going through. So we got to give each other some grace. For some people, their tomb is, is full of chaos. The world's spinning out of control. And God is saying, it's okay. I'm the calm within the storm. I know a thing or two about chaos. I died on the cross. It was chaotic. Be at peace. For some, the chaos 
the, 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 the tone of the tomb isn't chaos, it's a deafening silence, right? God seems mysteriously quiet. When you are going through something hard and you wonder where God is, remember the teacher is always quiet during the test. This first keeps coming to my heart through this season. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. God is saying, be still, be quiet, and know that I am God. There's a knowing that transcends audible voices. We can know God. God can speak to each one of us without saying a word. He, why use words when you can speak directly to someone's heart? Trust the tone of your tomb and trust the timing of your tomb. Trust the timing of your tomb. Maybe you're going through a situation that you don't understand and the timing seems all off. It seems all out of whack. Really, God, right now, right here, right now, it's not the best timing. John 16, verse 12. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, there's a, there's a, a time and a place where I can share these things with you, but be patient. There's a timing to the work of God. One of my favorite quotes is this. When it's not in God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. So a man found a cocoon of a, a, a butterfly. And he watched this um, butterfly try to struggle to get out, to emerge. And after a couple of hours of this, he felt bad for the butterfly. And so he grabbed a pair of scissors and he enlarged the opening with it quick little snip of the scissors, enlarge the opening, and out immediately came the butterfly. But something was wrong with that butterfly. His, his body was swollen, and his, his wings were, were, were shriveled. You see, the struggle through the tiny opening was God's plan for the butterfly to force the fluid from its body out to its wings. Friends, the butterfly was always meant to be under compression, under weight, under the load of that cocoon, under the load of that tomb. That was God's plans, plan to bring life to that butterfly. Maybe today you feel like you're under the load of your tomb. You feel under the weight, under the enormity, under the gravity of, of that tomb. It's pressing in on you. Friends, I have good news. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Under doesn't mean over. You see, the resurrection, it opens tombs. It opened Jesus' tomb, and it's opening our tomb. And here's the thing. When we come up out of that tomb, we're different. The masks have been removed. We're free to be us. We come out transformed. We went through some sort of spiritual metamorphosis and we're different, we're better, we're stronger, we're more Christ-like. And we've got hope. God breathes hope in that tomb. He, he, he breathes hope and we come out full of, of hope that the world can't take away. It's been said that a human being can live eight minutes without air three days without water and 30 days without food. But a human being can't live one second without hope. Friends, the hope that we need, 
the hope that we cling to in times like this, in good times and in bad times, the hope that sustains us is the hope that was bought and paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why he said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Friends, you can live today. You can have that hope. You can have that smile. You can have that joy, joy, joy down up in your heart. If you just simply ask Jesus, he died and he rose again so that you could live a life full of hope. Yes, there's troubles in this world. Yes, there's challenges, but the world was never meant to steal your hope. If you want that hope, you can have it right now, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you're up under, whatever load, whatever weight you're under, God can set you free and he can give you that hope. All you gotta do is ask him to be your savior. Pray a prayer something like this. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready to make you my God. I need that hope that only you can offer. And so today, Jesus, I make you my God. I make you my King. Give me that hope today as I now am your child. I belong to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Can we just celebrate that? Come on, let's celebrate that right here. If you made that decision, all heaven is rejoicing. We're rejoicing with you. Let us know if you made that decision right there in the, in the notes on the live stream. Just, just write, I made that decision. Let us know because we want to celebrate with you. Also, if you want to let us know privately, you can contact us at connectagatheringchurch.org and let us know. Friends, we're going to celebrate. We're going to do a song right now. Together, we're going to sing a song. It's called Resurrecting. It speaks of this resurrection power that we have. And so together, let's crank the TV up, crank your sound, your surround sound, and let's sing to a God who is in the midst of resurrecting us through the power of the resurrected Christ.